Welcome to the third season of Learning Bible Truth Ministries. I am the founder, host, and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. This ministry is here to teach you Bible truth. Teaching truth allows you to grow in faith and learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. I sometimes read entire books in the Bible so you can know the story, not just the scripture. I also teach a series about a certain subject, so I want you to invite family and friends. Get your Bibles, grab a pen and paper so you can take notes. Now sit back, relax, and learn Bible truth. saints today is august the 14th of the year 2022 and i really hope from my heart that this day finds you and your family well my prayer for all of learning bible truth listeners and followers is that you you be in good health is that god continues to bless you and your family and that may the god of abraham isaac and jacob and the God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, continues to provide for you as you seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. His righteousness is Jesus. And all of these things that you need to survive will be added unto you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Now, as you guys know, I am continuing to share some excerpts um, of the race, religion, and racism series that the late great Dr. Frederick K.C. Price Sr. taught back in 1997. Now, I am choosing different excerpts to uh, share with you guys because I think it, it is very important that you hear it. And so I want you guys to sit back, relax, as he continues to compare Mohammed. His name is Mohammed Ibn Abdullah. He is the creator of the religion Islam and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who was commissioned by the Almighty God, the God who created the heavens and earth, to provide salvation for every living being. Okay, so sit back and listen to this Bible truth. And um, as I said uh, at another time, uh, you have a lot of Christians that have been Christians for years because they were brought up in a Christian environment. They've gone to church all their lives. They, they know absolutely nothing about the Bible, and they really don't know anything about Jesus. And you have Muslims of the same way. Don't think that every Muslim is a connoisseur of the Quran. Don't think that every Muslim knows it from cover to cover and is automatically a student of it. Uh, yesterday, I was talking to a young lady who is from Iran, and uh, we got to talking about some things, and, and, and I, I was led to ask her, I said, uh, oh, so you are, are you a Muslim? And she says, oh, yes, I, I was born and raised a Muslim. I said, have you ever heard of the Hadith? She never even heard of it. And she is in the middle of Islam in Iran. She had never even heard of the Hadith. So you, you don't just assume because somebody says there's a certain thing that they know everything. So this is information if you want to make a change, if you're dis uh, disheartened and 
dissatisfied with Christianity and think you need to go to Islam, or if you're disheartened or dissatisfied with Islam, you think you ought to go to Christianity. If you're standing in the middle of the road, you don't know which way to go. Or if you think you ought to just leave both of them and don't do anything. You ought to be armed with this information. You ought to at least go to your graves having known accurate knowledge about those who claim to be spokesmen for Allah and spokesmen for Almighty God. So, we are using, in this particular segment, the Muslim scholar Dr. Muhammad Hamadullah in his book Introduction to Islam states that, and I quote, and the Hadith, and as we shall presently see, both are based on divine inspiration End of quote. That's on page 23 in Mr. Hamadullah's book. Now we're using the nine volume, and I'm doing this because each time we have new people, visitors here in the congregation, we have new people on television, you're, you're picking up on a train that's already been in run, running. I've been teaching on this for more than 40 some weeks, and you're just now getting in, like, you don't know where you are. You know what I mean? And so I got to do a little bit of review. I know it takes time, but uh, you know, that's the name of the game. All right? So we're using the nine volume translation of the Hadith made by Dr. Muhammad Mushin Khan, entitled, The Translation of the Meaning of Sahih Al-Bukhari. And that's by Kazi Publications, K-A-Z-I, Lahore, L-A-H-O-R-E, Pakistan, the 1979 edition, 4,705 pages. It is recommended and approved by all, say did, and approved by all Muslim authorities, including the spiritual heads of Mecca and Medina. Having said that, picking up where we left off last time, in Hadith, we're looking at Muhammad and we're looking at Jesus. Want to see who they are because who they are will affect what we believe about them. You need to know who it is you're following. You need to know the character of the person. You need to know their, who they are. You just need to know. You know, don't you think you ought to know who you're marrying? I, I said, if you were planning on getting married, do you think that you should know the person that you're going to marry? Huh? Well, whether you realize it or not, commitments to Christianity and commitments to Islam are like a marriage. You don't just go steady. It's a marriage. Until death do us part. Well, I think you ought to know a little bit about that person you're making that kind of commitment to. So we're looking, first of all, at Muhammad, his character, his actions, his words, the things that he did, the things that he believed. Find out, do I want to follow this man? We're going to look at Jesus. We're going to find out the kind of things he did, the kind of things he said. Find out, do I want to follow this man? Amen. So, in Hadith, volume 9, number 84, the book of obliging the reverters from Islam, and then in Parentheses, apostated to repent. Let me say it again. The book of obliging the reverters from Islam to repent. In other words, people were Muslim and then they left Islam. And now this is to bring them back into Islam. All right. The book of obliging the reverters from Islam, apostate, to repent. And those who refuse the truth obstinately, though and in parentheses, though they know that it is the truth, 
and the fight against such people. Fight against such people. Chapter 2, number 57, page 45, quote, narrated I-K-R-I-M-A. Some of these names I cannot pronounce. They're Arabic names. Uh, I don't want to uh, embarrass anybody, and I'm not trying to be funny, so I'll spell it. So every time I spell a name, it's one I don't think I can pronounce, okay? But I want you to know it so that when you go and do your research, when you go to check up on whether Brother Price is telling the truth or not, you'll be able to recognize in your research work, oh yeah, there it is, there it is, that, there it is, that's the name Brother Price gave us. Otherwise, you would not know. Don't you dare take anything I say unless you can validate it in some book, some publication by somebody who is an authority other than just myself. Amen. And that's why I'm taking all the time to give you all these numbers. I'm not just talking to hear my head rattle. And if you don't take this stuff down and check it out, then you need to get every, every notch you get on your head. You deserve it. I-K-R-I-M-A. Some S-A-N-Z-A-N-A-D-I-Q-A. And then in parentheses, atheist. So that must be an Arabic word for atheist. Some atheists were brought to Ali. And he burnt them. The news of the event reached Ibn Abbas, who said, if I had been in his place, I would not have burnt them. As Allah's messenger forbid it, saying, do not punish anybody with Allah's punishment, in parenthesis, fire. So Allah punishes with fire. I would have killed them, according to the statement of Allah's messenger. Whoever changed, no, 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 get this down, whoever changed his Islamic religion didn't kill him. See, we're talking about, see, we're talking about marriage here. We're talking about, we're not playing game. I'm, see, I'm talking about the real Muslims. I'm not talking about make-believe Muslim, want to look like Muslim, want to be Muslim, think they're Muslim, talk like Muslim. I'm talking about the real Muslim. You do not play with them. Indeed, very harsh. The Bible views this principle differently. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. I think when we build the next dome, we're going to have the kind of seats that you can kind of kick it back and it'll go back in kind of like a prone position so y'all can sleep more. I, I hate to see you, you know... I want you to be more comfortable so you can really enjoy your nap. Alan, make a note of that, okay? we do that next. Okay, all right. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now, if you become a Muslim and then decide to leave, according to what the prophet had told his people, kill that person. So you see, Muslims, I'm talking about real Muslims, they don't play. They're not playing. They're, real, they're for real. Okay? Well, let's look at what is, uh, does Christianity have anything to say about such things? All right, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, beginning with verse 11, it says, This is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, 
He remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. All right, pick up on this though. Verse 12, if we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. He's not going to have a contract put out on you. <laughs> Tell somebody to kill you, just to go and, you don't know him? Yeah, I don't know you. That seems real, I mean, you know, simple enough. Why would you have to kill somebody? Just because they turned, went the other way. I mean, that's a bit hard. Why would you kill them? I mean, you'd think you'd want people to do something voluntarily. You'd want them to be a part of it because they wanted to, not because of out of fear that if they reverted or, or, or became apostate to it, that they're going to get killed for it. That's fear. All right, moving right along. We will look at one more of these references to changing one's religion. Hadith, volume 9. Chapter 2, number 58, page 45 and 46. Quote, the prophet then sent M-U apostrophe A-D-H. That's the first name, Ben, B-I-N is the second name, Jabal or J-A-B-A-L. So Mu'ad bin Jabal, all right? The prophet then sent Mu'ad bin Jabal after him. And when Mu'ad reached him, he spread out a cushion for him and requested him to get down and then in parenthesis and sit on the cushion behold there was a fettered man beside abu musa fettered means somebody either had handcuffs on you or tied up with a rope or chains or whatever all right fettered all right there was a fettered man beside abu musa mu'ad asked who is this man man in parenthesis abu musa said he was a jew and became a Muslim and then reverted back to Judaism. Then Abu Musa requested Mu'ad to sit down, but Mu'ad said, I will not sit down until he has been killed. This is the judgment of Allah and his messenger for such cases, for such cases in parenthesis, and repeated it thrice or three times. Then Abu Musa ordered that the man be killed, and he was killed. Abu Musa added, then we discussed the night prayer, and one of us said, I pray and sleep, and I hope that Allah will reward me for my sleep as well as for my prayer. They just got through killing a man, and they're going to pray now. I'm not knocking them, I'm just letting you know the scenario. You better think twice before you become a Muslim. The penalty for change is quite steep, to say the least. Let's look at some other interesting things the Hadith has to say about Muhammad, Allah, and sickness. In Hadith volume 7, number 70, the book of patience. You know, like patience at a hospital? The book of patience, chapter 1, number 548, page 373. Quote, narrated Abu Harara. Allah's messenger said, now this is Muhammad speaking, quote, if Allah wants to do good to somebody, he afflicts him with trials. End of quote. Let me say that again. Narrated Abu Hurairah, Allah's messenger said, see, Abu is quoting what he heard the prophet say. So we're quoting the prophet. 
quote, if Allah wants to do good to somebody, he afflicts him with trials. In the quote. Thank God the Bible has something different to say about afflictions. Turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. You're right there. Look at the third chapter. Just doing a comparative analysis. You make the final decision. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Hallelujah. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer or put up with persecution. So obviously if God, Jehovah, delivers from afflictions and persecution, then he must not be the one putting afflictions and persecution on you because whatever reason he had for putting it on you obviously was supposedly to teach us something or that we're supposed to learn something by it or something. Well, if he delivers me from it, then it didn't do him any good to put it on me because whatever I was supposed to learn, I got out of it before I could learn it. So what was the purpose of it? So afflictions, we know as Christians from the study of the Bible, God does not put afflictions on people. Now, he will allow them because he has no choice if you allow them. Because he gave you a free will. And if you put up with it, he has to put up with it. If you want out, he'll deliver you. Here, let me, let's read it again. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecution, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch. See, he didn't say God did it, but he said, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Here, Muhammad said, if Allah wants to do good to somebody, he afflicts them or afflicts him with trials. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, you want to make a value judgment. Which would you rather be, afflicted with the trial or delivered from the trial? Yeah, it is. I'm out of here. <laughs> now you know. So you can make a choice. All right. Now, <clears throat> in Hadith, volume 7, chapter 2, number 549, page 373, quote, Narrated Aisha. Aisha was one of Muhammad's several wives. Narrated Aisha. Anybody suffering so much from sickness as Allah's messenger. End of quote. This says misery loves company. Not so. Misery loves to get out from under the misery. <laughs> huh? I don't want no company. I want somebody. Get me out. Help! Get me out of here. I don't need nobody to sit down and suffer with me. Get me out. Now, if you want to suffer, I'll leave you there. But me, I want out. Now, watch this. This is awesome. This is one of his wives. This is, this is somebody he slept with. This is his wife. One of them. Narrated Aisha. I never saw anybody suffering so much from sickness as Allah's messenger. End of quote. Interestingly, interesting, interestingly enough, Jesus Christ was never sick. 
In fact, from biblical accounts, he spent most of his time healing folk that were sick. In Hadith Volume 7, number 71, the Book of Medicine, chapter 1, number 582, page 395, I quote, narrated Abu Harara, the prophet said, so we're going to quote Muhammad, all right, narrated Abu Harara, the prophet said, I quote, this is the prophet Muhammad, there is no disease that Allah has created except that he also has created its treatment, end of quote. So according to Muhammad, Allah, quote, narrated Abu Hurairah the prophet said, and I quote, there is no disease that Allah has created except that he also has created his treatment, end of quote. So that's telling me then that sickness and disease is created by God. Now, there are some Christians, admittedly, who also believe that out of ignorance of what the Bible says. See, they're going by traditions. No disease that Allah has created except that, it, that he also has created his treatment. In, uh, in the quote. Again, the Bible has a different story. Turn to Acts chapter 10. I told people, I've said this over and over again, you don't get credit for showing up. If you're, if you, you know, you're on, on medication, you're tired, you're sleepy, or whatever, you ought to stay home and go to sleep. Get you some rest. It's, 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 this, is, this is hard enough to do this. I sit up and look at you sleeping. I mean, it's, it's real difficult, you know. I and mean, if you're back behind the freeway, you guys back there sleeping, you, I know y'all got it made because I can't. I can't see back there. Yeah, there. All right, sister, I see that hand. <laughs> I can't see back that far. And then when you're cool with glasses on, I can't tell whether you're asleep or awake. <laughs> but it's awfully hard. You usually have an idea. I'm pumping out, and I look up, and then you... <laughs> I showed some sharp threads, bro. Couldn't do that. All right, now. All right, that's Fred Price. Yeah, okay, praise the Lord. All right, now watch this now. Listen to what he said. The prophet... Now, this is a man that is the prophet and messenger of Allah. So there's only two places he could have got this from. One, either Allah told him this or he made it up. Tell me where else he could have got it from. I mean, legitimately, either Allah told him that or else he just made it up out of his head. And if he made it up out of his head, that's even a worse thing because then he's misrepresenting Allah. Now, he said that Allah does not, has not created any disease or sickness that he has not also created the remedy for it. So to me, that's saying that God, Allah, is responsible for sickness. But he also has the antidote. He also has the, the cure for it. Well, how do you read that? Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't want to read something into it if it's not there, but it sounds to me like if, if, if the prophet said, Allah has not created, and he uses the word created, and only a God can create. He said, Allah has 
not created any sickness that he has not also created the cure. Okay? Now that's, that's the Hadith Bible. Acts chapter 10. Verse 34. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. Fear, that word fear means reverent, reverential fear, awe and, and reverent, not scared like a dog going to bite you or the boogeyman's going to get you. You know, that kind of scared. But a reverential fear, all right, so you understand it. Then Peter, verse 34, then Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, John the Baptist. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Now think about this. It says that, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing. So if we stop right there, then we know that healing is good. So whatever is at the other extremity of healing must be bad. And so since the only people who need healing are sick people, then sickness must be bad and healing must be good. And since God is good, then he couldn't create sickness because sickness is bad. Otherwise, we've got a schizophrenic God with a split personality. That's right. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. That tells me that sickness and disease is satanic oppression. It is not brought by Jehovah God. However, Muhammad said that Allah created sickness. Let me say it again. No disease. Quote, there is no disease that Allah has created except that he also has created his treatment. End of quote. That's a direct quote from the Hadith from the mouth of the prophet Muhammad. But God anointed Jesus, Jehovah God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. So if God was with him while he was healing folk, then God couldn't have been the author or the creator of the sickness and disease because if he did create sickness and disease, he must have a reason for it. And if he has a reason for it, if he heals somebody who's sick, then whatever the reason for getting the sickness on them has been nullified by the healing because they ain't sick no more. Now, I'll be the first to admit that in traditional Christianity, 
we have been told in some churches, they're still teaching this stuff now. But see, again, I told you before, Christianity is not Christian. And it sure enough ain't preachers. <laughs> Christianity is Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't check me out as such. Don't check the preacher out. Don't check other Christians out. Check the book out. Check out Jesus. So you get the right scoop on it. Now, if I say what God says, then you can listen to me. But how do you know what? A, how do you know that what I'm saying is what God said? How do you know it's not what God said unless you check it out for yourself? I don't care how good something sounds. It's not true because it sounds good. That's what's wrong with, especially us black folk. We so hyped up about how something sounds. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if it sounds like something we think is good, going to hell with it, full speed ahead, because it sounds good. Amen. Wrapped up in emotion and feeling. It has its place, huh, not here. Okay, moving right along. Now, I want to deal with a very touchy subject, oh Lord Jesus. I want to deal with a very touchy subject, but one I feel we have to deal with. It's the subject of slavery. But not the kind you think. Listen up. Wake up. Stay up. Okay? You might be tempted to say, Oh my God, why bring that subject up? Well, the reason I think this subject is timely and must be dealt with is because so many blacks, particularly black Muslims, perceive Christianity as the white man's religion designed to enslave the black race. What we are going to look at now is going to shock and astound most black Muslims and blacks alike. It has been said that the Bible has been used as a justification for enslaving black people down through history, especially United States history. You will be surprised when I read what the Quran and the Hadith have to say about slavery and about Muhammad himself owning slaves. One thing for sure, Jesus had no slaves. In the Quran, Surah 4, verses 2 and 3, quote, I am quoting from the Quran. I read it, the whole thing, from the beginning to the end of it. I wanted to know. I wasn't going to take something out of it and just use it. I wanted to read the whole thing in context. And I did. Surah 4, verses 2 and 3, it says, and I quote, Give orphans the property that belongs to them. Do not exchange their valuables for worthless things, or cheat them of their possessions. For this would surely be a great sin. If you fear that you cannot treat orphans with fairness, then you may marry other women who seem good to you. 
two, three, or four of them. But if you fear that you cannot maintain equality among them, then marry one only or any slave girls you may own. This will make it easier for you to avoid injustice, end of quote. Now, Saints, I, I, I'm confused because I don't know what orphans, treating orphans justly, has to do with marrying one, two, three, or four wives. I, I, I don't understand that. Um, let's resume. Did you get that last part? I want you to get that last part. Now, this is, this is Allah speaking to, through his prophet, Muhammad. So Allah is letting us know that to own slaves is acceptable. Four, verse 36, it says, Surah 4, verse 36, it says, quote, serve God and associate none with him. Show kindness to parents and kindred, to orphans and to the destitute to near and distant neighbors, to those that keep company with you, to the travelers in need, and to the slaves you own. End of quote. The Bible says it differently. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. See, this has been the, this has been the big problem with Christianity in America. It is true, documented truth, that the founding fathers of this nation kidnapped, stole, and took into slavery, multiplied millions of black Africans. And it was a concerted, deliberate, purposeful effort on the part of the founding fathers to keep those black people ignorant of the Bible. Let them have just enough of it to pacify them and keep them in a quasi-quiet condition so that they would not rebel. Tell them verbally just enough to make them think as bad as it is now, my brother. Don't worry about it because over there on the other... Can you see the pearly gates? See, see <laughs> over there on the other side, it'll be better. In the sweet by and by. That was to keep them docile. That was to keep them from rebelling. And so for 246 years they kept them ignorant and would not allow them to read or learn how to read. Generally speaking, thank God some broke away and learned anyway, in spite of, not because of, but it was purposeful. And so it was easy for people to, that claimed to be Christian to take the Bible and use it in a negative way. But that ain't what the book says. That's just what them purveyors of lies said that the book said and because the people couldn't read it for themselves how do you know they're not telling you the truth but babe we're over on this side of the fence and I don't know about anybody else present in the building but the kid can read I'm dangerous you can't hide this stuff from the kid I have you you messed up in letting me learn how to read chapter 7. You were bought at a price. Do not become the slaves of men. 
pass in the book, in the book, the Bible. All right, some of you act like you can't hear now. You're hearing your battery's all wind dead. Let me read it for you again. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Saints, um, just in case uh, some people are listening, I know I have uh, several Muslims listening. Um, when you say you are bought uh, at a price or by a price, we're talking about bought with the blood of Jesus. And see, Jesus sets all slaves free. Okay, so um, let me resume. Now, I have a problem here with Muhammad and Allah. The God of the Bible says, now again, let me say this because there'll be some so-called scholars, they're going to want to debate with me. And they want to point out, yeah, but under the Old Testament, under the Old Testament, the, 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 the Lord allowed the, the children of Israel to have slaves. Exactly correct. However, those Israelites did not go to Africa and kidnap, rob, pillage, and steal those people, chain them up and bring them over on boats back to Israel. Plus, the very fact that you said Old Testament lets me know that that ain't the end because we happen to have a New Testament and anytime you have a new will, because that's what a testament is, a will, Whenever you have a new will, it supersedes the old will and makes the old will passe, no good, anymore, ain't in force, no more, because you got a new one. And you can't find in the new one, in fact, we just read it, so there's no way that you could find in the new one that you could have slaves or that God overtly condones slavery because that verse we just read would be a contradiction to that. He said, don't be the slaves of men. Can you read, sister? Would you read that verse for me, 23? You were bought at a price. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Do not become slaves of men. Thank you very much. Now, how could God, how could God, oh, excuse me. How could God, <laughs> I got in the worst fight I ever got in for Somebody stepped on my, my suede shoes. Well, I mean, we got it on. Oh. Accident, my brother. Accident. All right. God could not condone. See, remember now, remember what I told you. Christianity is not Christian. Go back to the source. Don't go to the people that claim they know God because a whole lot of folk talking to talk don't know God. That's right. That's right. And just because so-called Christians did a lot of things. That didn't mean God did it. It didn't mean God approved of it. That's right. So you got to be careful. Otherwise, you end up filling out the baby with the dirty bathwater. And that's the problem with it. You gotta check it, you gotta check out the source. Don't check out the folk that say. You don't know what they mean by what they say. They'll come to church and sleep, so how you gonna trust somebody like that? <laughs> I wanna deal with somebody who neither sleeps nor slumbers. All right, listen up. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Apparently, Allah and Muhammad condone slavery. There it is. You take your choice. Pick your leader. Up to you. All right? Now, in Surah 23, 
verses 1 and 5, it says, according from the Quran, quote, Blessed are the believers who are humble in their prayers, who avoid profane talk, and give alms to the destitute. Now that, 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 sounds, that sounds good, doesn't it? That is good. That, that's very good. It's very moral. Okay, listen. And, and see, I get uh, some of the Muslims accuse me of being sarcastic. I'm not being sarcastic. Yeah, you are. I like to, I, that's my yeah, way of emphasizing are. things. I don't need to be sarcastic. <laughs> okay? Yeah, but uh, I like to emphasize. Blessed are the believers. I'm quoting. Blessed are the believers who are humble in their prayers. That's wonderful. Who avoid profane talk. Great. And give alms to the destitute. Wonderful. Who restrain their carnal desires. And then in parenthesis, except now pick up on this. Who restrain their carnal desires except with their wives and slave girls. For these are lawful to them. And do not transgress through lusting after other women who are true to their trust and promises and diligent in their prayer. These are the heirs of paradise. They shall abide in it forever. In the quote. I'm using these to show the acceptance of slavery. Oh, well, I got, I got, I'm not going to be able to get to it. I got some stuff here, this one. I got some stuff here in reference to slavery. You black folk? You black Muslims? I got some stuff that I'm going to share with you that's going to straighten your curly hair. I'm not kidding you. You don't know these things. I know you don't. All right? In Surah 24, verse 30, it says, I quote, Enjoin believing women to turn their eyes away from temptation and to preserve their chastity. That's, that's very honorable, isn't it? Okay? Enjoin believing women to turn their eyes away from temptation and to preserve their chastity, to cover their adornments. And then in parentheses, except such as are normally displayed. To draw their veils over their bosoms and not to reveal their finery except to their husbands, their fathers, their husbands, their husbands' fathers, their sons, their stepsons, their brothers, their brothers' sons, their sisters' sons, their women servants, and their slave girls. Now, did y'all hear that? And this is one time I'm not going to edit out the repetitiveness because I want y'all to hear that again. So you can show all your goodies and your fineries to all the males. Unbelievable. And including the slave girls. I would rather show it to the slave girls because they're women. But I got to show it to my, my uh, husband's father and brothers. My son. I mean, this is sickening to me. Uh, let me resume. Male attendants lacking in natural vigor and children who have no carnal knowledge of women and let them not stamp their feet when walking so as to reveal their hidden trinkets. End of quote. You could tell a man wrote that. You I want tell. You get, the part I want, I'm dealing with is the slave part. Did you get that? Listen to this now. Listen to this now. Enjoying believing women to turn their eyes away from temptation and to preserve their chastity 
to cover their adornments, and then in parentheses, except such as are normally displayed, to draw their veils over their bosoms, and not to reveal their finery, except to their husbands, their fathers, their husbands' fathers, their sons, their stepsons, their brothers, their brothers' sons, their sisters' sons, their women servants, and their slave girls. That's how I want you to get this the slave part. Again, showing you that Allah condones and encourages slavery. You definitely encourage slavery by this. I'm not knocking, I'm just letting you know in there, you know, there, there it is. Alright? Hear what the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3. Turn to Colossians chapter 3. Yeah, it's amazing the Bible, how the people have misused the Bible. I'll grant that. I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to cover that up. That's true. But don't throw the Bible out because some idiot misused it. Read it right. Do it right. Live it right. Nothing wrong with the Bible. It's the people that supposedly claim to know it. See, here's the problem. That's, that's, that's been the problem with Christianity. That's been the problem with this racism garbage. There's no racism in God's word. That's right. Amen. Bless the Lord. Okay. All right. Now, we just read several surahs and verses that obviously show that Muhammad and Allah condone, allow, permit, and encourage slavery. Okay? Bible. Colossians chapter 3, verse 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, nor free. But Christ is all and in all. Hallelujah. In Christ there are to be no slaves. Now just because this country through the slave master system had slavery didn't mean God approved of it. Yeah. Anybody remember that? That is serious business. You don't play with Islam. They don't, I mean, they don't play that, as they say. And so it's very serious business when you change from Islam to something else. And we read through the Hadith and so forth and so on, the different things that Muhammad said about people who change their religion. Basically, kill them. We read that. But I got a letter from somebody that gives us some current, information, in other words, a contemporary of ours, in pig and <laughs> in like in nothing. I use that so you can't try to figure out who it is. But P.N. from Los Angeles. Dear Pastor, first of all, I'd like to commend you on your obedience to God to fulfill an awesome assignment. There aren't many in the body of Christ who God can trust to deliver a baby that has been in labor too long. I have observed the outcome of the responses of the Christian leaders, and all I can say is that it certainly has exposed the hearts of the problem. Yeah. Pastor, there are yeah. many who said God has chosen them and anointed them to preach the good news, but when it actually boiled down to it, only a few, underlined and bold face letters, stood with the truth that God wanted to reveal. I was raised as a Muslim with the nation of Islam. 
My sister and I attended the Muslim schools, and my father sold bean pies and the Muhammad Speaks newspaper that is now called The Final Call. We were taught to fear Allah in a sense that if we didn't act properly, he, Allah, would punish us. My parents separated as a result of the teachings that were instilled in my father. You know, the teaching about the women being inferior to the man and the man being able to have affairs with women while the wife stay home with the children with little or no opinion about her husband's actions. My father eventually became a minister and served the Muslim religion for many years. As I listened to you teach about the only way out of the religion through death, I thought about the time when my dad got out of the religion. They actually came to his home in the middle of the night and attempted to murder him. They were unsuccessful. Pastor, I do not want to call names of a particular group that was responsible, nor do I want to say what city they were from. However, I wanted to let you and the congregation know that you are not making this up. The congregation need to wake up and learn all they can about what is going on in their community and what is going on while they are sleeping in church. <laughs> now, Fred Price didn't have to read that. <laughs> if they know they are prone to sleep in church, oh, let me get over here close by my wife where I can read this right close by Sister Betty with the great heart that always wants me to lighten up on the folks that are asleep because they always have a legitimate reason for being sleepy in the service. The, the congregation need to wake up and learn all they can about what is going on in their community and what is going on while they are sleeping in church. If they know they are prone to sleep in church on Sunday, then they need to sit in the back and let those who are hungry for the word occupy the front section so you will no longer be distracted by their action so that God's word can go forth and be like medicine to those who hear it. I personally was set free from some prejudice in my heart right here at Crenshaw Christian Center as a result of this series of race, religion, and racism. I received Jesus the Christ as my Lord and Savior in 1986 and assurance of salvation in 1991. I am filled with the Holy Spirit and I am called and chosen, handpicked to the ministry in the office of evangelists. I am a member of Crenshaw Christian Center. I attend one of the best schools on the globe, Crenshaw Christian Center Ministry Training Institute. I am in my second year and I will graduate in June. I am a helps ministry worker in the prayer department as an intercessory prayer leader. Pastor, don't take it lightly when I tell you I am on a mission. My family, as well as many others, need to be called out of deception, Muhammad, and into the truth, the way and the life, Jesus. It's time. The time is now. I appreciate you and Betty for being excellent examples for me. Thank you for your time. Sincerely, P.M. I, I, I use that just simply to validate from a personal person's experience about what we read in the Hadith about the seriousness of changing from Islam. Now that's from somebody that lived it. We didn't read that one out of the Hadith. Okay? Now we're using, or rather, let me say it this way. The Muslim scholar, I, I, gotta, I have to do this each time because again we have new people. The Muslim scholar, Dr. Muhammad Hamidullah, in his book, Introduction to Islam, states that the custodian and repository of the original teachings of Islam are found above all in the Quran and the Hadith. 
That's quote in the quote on page 250 of Dr. Hamadullah's book. To this he adds that, quote again, the Quran and the Hadith are the basis of all Islamic law. End of quote. That's on page 163 in Dr. Hamadullah's book. The now, saints, the reason why you are hearing this again is because I started, uh, well, let's say I added a, uh, another episode to it. So that's why you are hearing a break in information that you are hearing. Then all of a sudden you hear him talking about something completely different is because I added a second episode. OK, let's let's resume. According to Dr. Hamadullah, that Muslims revere the Hadith as well as the Quran, is that the Hadith is as divinely inspired as the Quran itself. We look at references in reference to slavery, not the American brand of slavery, but slavery nonetheless, but slavery supported by the religion of Islam. Now, well, I'm, this is documentation. I am not accusing anybody of anything. We read several references, if you will recall, from the Hadith. I did not write the Hadith. Ah, don't take this personally. I just simply said I can't because I don't believe in slavery. But apparently, Allah and Muhammad and Muslims do believe in slavery. I told you, if you're going to marry somebody, you ought to know something about them. And if I'm going to marry Christianity or Islam or whatever, I want to know what you believe in. Because, see, if you believe in slavery, you just might make me one of your slaves. I have no guarantee. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, I just got out of this mess and still am experiencing the aftermath of almost 400 years of it, certainly 246 years of it till the time of the uh, Civil War and the Emancipation Proclamation, but we're still in the afterglow of it and still experiencing the results of that slavery. And I'm not going to commit myself to something called a religion that also supports and believes in slavery. That is El Stupido, better known as dumb. Now, again, to each his own, and I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not telling you what to do. You do whatever you want. I'm just telling you about me since I got the podium I, I have that I have, I have that privilege once you get the podium you can you know you can talk about you too okay all right but I, well, we want to find out about this we will now look at what the hadith has to say about Muhammad himself condoning and having slaves or oh, some of this stuff gonna blow you away it's gonna blow your boat right off the planet no it ain't nothing you ain't never heard before especially you black folk I'm talking to everybody but I'm I am definitely zeroing in on you folks of color you need to listen to this. We will now look at what the Hadith has to say about Muhammad himself condoning and having slaves. I find no such references in the New Testament about Jesus Christ having slaves. In Hadith, volume 3, it states under number 43, the book of oppressions, mm. chapter 26, number 648, on page 389, I quote, So I went 
to the upper room where the prophet was and requested to a black slave of his, will you get the permission of Allah's messenger for Umar to enter? The slave went in and talked to the prophet about it and came out saying, I mentioned you to him, but he did not reply. <laughs> so I went and sat with the people who were sitting by the pulpit. But I could not bear the situation, so I went to the slave again and said, Will you get the permission for Umar? He went in and brought the same reply as before. When I was leaving, behold, the slave called me saying, Allah's messenger has granted you permission. End of quote. Now, this is extremely interesting to the kid because it seems to indicate that Muhammad, Muhammad had more than one slave. Now, how do I deduce that? Why? Because of the fact it mentioned black slaves. Mm -hmm. If all the slaves were black, you wouldn't have to mention what color they were. Just say slave. Apparently, there were other slaves who were not black, and the man used the term black to distinguish from the other slave that weren't black. Now, you're going to accept this business about Islam is the religion of the black man, and then they enslaved black people, and this was the very leader of it, had a black slave? And most of you black folk didn't know that. And most black Muslims don't know that. Most Muslims don't know that. Black slave. Not slave, black one. I've been there and done that. Listen to this. So I went to the upper room. This is a quote from the Hadith. I went to the upper room where the prophet was and requested to a black slave of his. That means Muhammad had a black slave. And Muhammad was white, you guys. Take me to your leader? I don't think so. I'm going to jump out of the frying pan into the fire. Excuse me. All right. <clears throat> you know, why say black slave? Uh, after all, a slave is a slave is a slave is a slave. But I thank God that he said black slave. Because that lets me know you don't like me any more than them white folks like me. They put me in slavery all that time. Now again, don't take that personal. You know better than that. But that's who the, they were the ones that put us in slavery. I know it stings. I know it hurts. So that's not my purpose. But Jesus said the truth will make you free. Knowing the truth will make you free. Now in Hadith... Volume 6, number 60, Book of Commentary, and then in parenthesis, Interpretation of the Holy Quran, chapter 316, number 435, page 407, quote, 
I said, has the king of Gassan, which is G-H-A-S-S-A-N, has the king of Gassan come? He said, no. But something worse, Allah's messenger has isolated himself from his wives. I said, let the nose of Aisha and Hafsa be stuck to dust. Aisha was one of his wives and Hafsa, H-A-F-S-A, was one of his other many wives. I said, let the nose of Aisha and Hafsa be stuck to dust. In other words, in parenthesis, humiliated. Then I put on my clothes and went to Allah's messenger's residence. And behold, he was staying in an upper room of his, which he ascended by a ladder, and a black slave of Allah's messenger was sitting at the first ladder step. A black slave of Allah's messenger. Well, you know, well, crazy. Was this the same slave, I wonder, that we read about before or another? I don't know. Moving right along, we come to Hadith, volume 7, number 65, the book of foods. And in brackets, meals. Chapter 36, number 346, page 254. I quote, narrated Annas, that's A-N-A-S, narrated Annas, I was a young boy when I once was walking with Allah's messenger. Allah's messenger entered the house of his slave tailor. And the latter brought a dish filled with food covered with pieces of gourd. Allah's messenger started picking and eating the gourd. When I saw that, I started collecting and placing the gourd before him. Then the slave returned to his work. Annas added, I have kept on loving gourd since I saw Allah's messenger doing what he was doing. End of quote. Now I'm quoting all of these, showing you over and over again. Now remember, the hadith was given by divine inspiration according to Muslim authorities. Mm -hmm. Therefore, Allah must condone slavery. Didn't condone it, then how come he let them people do it all in years? Because we did. Nothing God can do about it. See, God made you with a will, a free will. I, I, I have a question for you. Let me see. I have a question for you. This is blue, right? Blue suit. Do you have, a, do you have at least, at least one other suit of a different color? Is it presently this morning when you got up to come to church, was that suit also hanging in the closet so that you could have worn that suit? So you do have one other suit at least. That means he had a choice, right? And he chose to wear this blue suit. And he admits he has another suit, at least one other suit, at home in the closet. And guess what? God let him out of the house in this suit. Did you wake up this morning and hear the voice of the Lord? Thus saith the Lord, thou shalt wear the blue pinstripe suit today. Did you hear that voice this morning? What? No? You mean the Holy Spirit didn't, didn't give you an unction and say, you must wear the blue pinstripe today. Mm -mm. In, in other words, you decided to wear it. You made a choice. You willed to wear it. 
and God left you out of the house in that suit. Now, my, here's my point. God will let you be in slavery if you let you be in slavery. There's nothing he can do about it. That's right. you got a will. You can do something about it. Oh, no, I couldn't do it. Yes, you could. You could die. That's right. Oh, it may cost you something, but don't tell me that you didn't have another choice. You could have said, I kill me. I ain't going to be a slave. Mm-hmm. Them people didn't know about Jesus, though. That option was available. Now, it might not be one you're willing to pay the price for, but you can't tell me it wasn't available. Now, that's harsh. My this is a white outfit. Would I be... Do you have at least one other outfit at home? Was it in the closet hanging up in there with this one? You could have worn it. You, you, oh, I know. I know you heard. The, I know you heard. I know the burning bush appeared in your bedroom right outside your closet door. And you heard a voice say, take off your shoes, girl. The ground on which you stand is holy ground. Thus saith the Lord, thou shalt wear white today. You heard that voice, right? No? You mean you made a choice? And you left the other one in the closet and you decided to wear this one. My whole point might sound a little silly. I'm not trying to be silly. What I'm saying to you is that God has to allow whatever we allow. That's right. Okay? So don't think that just because God allowed slavery in America for all those years that God condoned it. That's right. You don't find it in his word where his son Jesus ever had any slaves. So you need to be aware of that before you get your head in the noose and want to say, yeah, but what about, yeah, what about what? Here it says that this is given under divine inspiration. Enough. And it's recorded that Muhammad, who was Muhammad to, to Islam is what Jesus is to Christianity. He'd be the main man. He had slaves, Jesus didn't. Excuse me. All right, in Hadith volume 8, number 73, the book of Al-Adab, A-L hyphen A-D-A-B. That's my best shot on it, Al-Adab, and in parenthesis, good manners. So that must be an Arabic term for good manners. Chapter 95, number 182, page 117. I quote, narrated Annas bin Malik, M-A-L-I-K. Allah's messenger was on a journey, and he had a black slave called A-N-J-A-S-H-A. -A -A. He keep telling me about his black slave, he turned to me more and more off. Follows any religion or any religious leader that believes in taking you into slavery you deserve every bump you get on your naughty head. You deserve every kick you get in your soft backside. Anything that happens to you, you deserve it if you voluntarily follow something like this. Now, I realize that that's, 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 that's rough language. That's, that, that's tough. That cuts to the chase. I read it, Anna's bin Malik. Allah's messenger was on a journey, and he had a black slave called A-N-J-A-S-H-A. And he was driving the camels very fast, and there were women riding on those camels. Allah's messenger said, W-A-I-H-A-K-A. 
whatever that is, may Allah be merciful to you. O-A-N-J-A-S-H-A. -A -A. Drive slowly, the camels, with the glass vessels, women. End of quote. Now, was this another black slave, or was this the Taylor black slave, or was this the other black slave upstairs when the other guy wanted to go up there and see the prophet? I mean, is it the same one? I mean, I don't know. Is it the same one? If you in Hadith, volume 9, it says in number 89, the book of A-H-K-A-M, and then in parenthesis, judgments. Chapter 4, number 256, page 192. Oh, Jesus. Quote, narrated Annas bin Malik. Allah's messenger said. Now, we're quoting now the prophet Muhammad himself. Okay? Quote, you should listen to and obey your ruler, even if he was an Ethiopian, black slave whose head looks like a raisin. End of quote. That ain't funny. Let me read that again. Quote, narrated Annas bin Malik, Allah's messenger said, now we're quoting now Muhammad himself. Quote, you should listen to and obey your ruler, even if he was an Ethiopian, black slave, whose head looks like a raisin. So the Ethiopian might be a ruler. I would think that probably has reference to, you know, some blacks have real short, very curly, wavy hair. And it could look like a head full of raisins, but I mean... <laughs> <laughs> Look to me like Muhammad is calling blacks raisin heads. I said it looks like. Drop your rock. I quoted it. Jesus Christ never did that. I want to reiterate the fact that Jesus Christ never, say never, never had any slaves, nor endorsed having any. In Hadith, volume 9, chapter 49, number 321, page 244, quote, narrated Aisha, one of his wives, the prophet used to take the pledge of allegiance from the women by words only after reciting this holy verse. And apparently this is from the Quran because there's a, a, a in, in parentheses it says 60, which means surah, and then 12, verse 12, under number one, quoting from the Quran, that they will not associate anything in worship with Allah. And the hand of Allah's messenger did not touch any woman's hand except the hand of that woman his right hand possessed. In other words, his captives or his lady slaves. Plural, so he had more than one lady slave. End of quote. It appears 
appears, it appears that Muhammad was quite a slaver. Now we're going to look at one more Hadith reference. Hadith, volume 9, number 91, chapter 3, number 368, page 275. I quote, Narrated Umar, U-M-A-R. I came and behold, Allah's messenger was staying on a M-A-S-H-R-O-B-A. M-A-S-H-R-O-B-A. And then in parentheses it says attic room. So that must be an Arabic word for attic room. Listen to it again. Narrated Umar, I came and behold, Allah's messenger was staying on an or in an attic room, and a black slave of Allah's messenger was at the top of his stairs. I said to him, tell the prophet that there is Umar bin al-Khattab, that's A-L hyphen K-H-A-T-T-A-B, asking for permission to enter. Then he admitted me. This black, and that's the end of the quote. Now, this black slave thing really bothers me. I don't know about you, but I personally don't want anything to do with any religion that espouses slavery. And Islam seems to do that. Remember, we are reading after the founder of Islam, Muhammad himself. Remember also that the Hadith records the oral traditions of the Prophet Muhammad by those who actually saw him, lived with him, fought beside him in battle, and were married to him. These were his closest friends and supporters. The Hadith and Quran are of ancient date. And so some may be tempted to say, that was a long time ago. With that in mind, let's look at some references to Islamic slavery in what we would call modern times. In his book entitled Slavery and Human Progress by David Brian Davis. Brian is B-R-I-O-N Davis. Copyright 1984. That's not ancient history. Mm -mm. Excuse me? 1984. Copyright 1984 by David Brian Davis, Oxford University Press Incorporated. Mr. David Davis makes this statement on page 45 and 46. I quote, given the scarcity and unreliability of quantitative evidence, the magnitude of the Islamic slave trade cannot be measured with any precision. We know that after the Islamic conquest of Egypt and Tripoli, the Nilotic, that's N-I-L-O-T-I-C, Nilotic and Central Sudanese states regularly delivered slaves to the north as part of a commercial pact or as a form of tribute. Muslim domination of the long Red Sea coast ensured a continuous shipment of black slaves to Yemen, Arabia, Iraq, Iran, and eventually Muslim India. End of quote. Nation of Islam, blacks, whites, did you know this? I doubt it. Author Bernard Lewis, in his book, Race and Slavery in the Middle East, 
Copyright 1990 mm. by Oxford Press Incorporated on page 57 and 58 makes this statement. I quote, an African jurist, Ahmed, that's A-H-M-A-D, Baba, B-A-B-A, Ahmed Baba of Timbuktu, who lived in 1556, died in 1627, reaffirms the classical Islamic position. Muslims and also non-Muslims living under Muslim rule and protection may in no circumstances be enslaved. Idolaters captured in a holy war may lawfully be enslaved. And their slave status is not ended by any subsequent conversion to Islam. End of quote. That is indeed an interesting statement. On page 236, Robert William Fogel, that's B-O-F-O rather, F-O-G-E-L, in his book, Without Consent or Contract, that's the name of the book, Without Consent or Contract, The Rise and Fall of American Slavery, copyright 1989 by Robert W. Fogel states, I quote, the last great victory of the British abolitionists was the suppression of the Islamic slave trade. Since it had little to do with the West Indies, the British at first paid scant attention to the trade of African slaves across the Sahara and along the east coast of Africa, bound for the Islamic world. Larger and more ancient than the Atlantic trade, it originated in the early Middle Ages. According to recent estimates, the cumulative trade to Islamic countries in northern Africa and the Near East probably exceeded 4 million persons before the New World was even discovered. And by 1800, it had doubled. So that's 8 million. Although the Atlantic trade went into decline after 1830, the trade to the Islamic regions continued to expand, and Fred quit because he was out of time. Well, saints, I don't have much more to say. Um, oh, let me mention this. Any static you may have heard or fading away, that was from the uh, actual recording. That's not from my end. Um, we will resume next Saturday. And until then, I want you to remember... Jesus is Lord. He is Lord of all. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. See you next time and until then, walk in love. hope you were enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this message, you can contact us by emailing talkingbibletruth.cd at gmail.com. If you would like to sow a seed in this growing ministry, you may access the front page on the podcast you are listening to and click on the support button. Or you can cash out the ministry at dollar sign Dr. Kamla D. That is at dollar sign, capital D, lowercase r, capital C, lowercase a-m-a-l-e, capital D, and donate any amount. And remember, God loves a cheerful giver, and so do we. So until next time, believers, 
Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, not the word of man. We walk by faith and not by what we see. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D, serving you with Christ Jesus, our Lord, in peace and love. I thank each of you for tuning in, and I hope to hear from you soon. Peace out. Help us.